Because a lot of people ask me this too. Well, Ina, what if your business fails, right? Because everybody has that feeling about theirs when they start is, yeah, but what if it fails? Like, I don't understand how something that continues to grow every single day could fail. You know what I mean? Like, what is what what defines failure? That I don't fill my program one month, that I don't get one-on-one -on -one clients another month. That just means that there's the next month to really go and do the same thing. But I haven't considered that to be lost time because I'm still doing what I love to do. Ina Kovani is small, but don't get it confused. She has a fireball of a personality. In this episode, we talk about how she went from being a software project manager to creating her own category as a corporate salary replacement expert. If you don't think you can replace your salary in a year, you need to listen to this episode and get proved wrong because that's what Ina does. Listen, I know I've been gone for a while, but I'm about to revamp the podcast format and start putting out a bunch of great episodes that I've locked and loaded and ready to go. So make sure you subscribe and you don't miss any of them. And if you want to help a brother out, leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And now to kick things off is my buddy's band, The Stiltsville from Miami, Florida with Yogi. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, go. Ina Koveni. Ina, how are you? I am doing great. Thank you for having me, Pablo. It's awesome to see you. It is awesome to see you too, Ina. I love your smile. You're always brighten up a room. It's fantastic. Oh, you're the sweetest. Tell me, Ina, how do you introduce yourself? Okay. If we're talking like elevator pitches, I got mine down and I love it. And it gets people to go like, oh, what? What did she just say? And how does she do that? Which I love it. So my name is Ina Coveney and I am a salary replacement expert, which means that I help people who work full time start the side business so that they can replace their salary within a year so they can do whatever they want. And like the first question that I get is like, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, stay tuned because I, I talk about that all day long. <laughs> That's what I do. So I am the boss of the Trailblazers community. It's called Trailblazing Out of Corporate Life. And that's what we do. We're trying to find the better life, the freedom by doing something that we actually love to do. So that's what I talk about. That's, that's my bread and butter right now. Amazing. Ina, you are kind of the one of the few people that are like the quintessential example of what my thesis is, right? Like you are adding a ton of value to people's lives and you're building a business through community. I'm super, super impressed. And I kind of want to deconstruct it for my own selfish gain and for, you know, my, our friend listening right now. Of course. And uh, so I don't have all day to talk to you about it as much as I would love to, right? We have about a little bit less than an hour, but tell me, we know, this. what's your, what's your origin story? You know, like what's, um, you know, what's the uh, episode one? Oh, episode one was a really long episode. It was me being in a regular 
job, right? I came from Venezuela. I went to college in the US. I studied computer science. I got myself a job doing project management in software. Um, turns out that I was really good at it. I was rising up the ranks, but really not as fast as anybody else would have. It just, this thing, thing seems to like stagnate and I didn't understand why. The feedback that I was getting every single year was, well, you need to improve your communication skills. And at the time, I had no idea about gender bias. I had no idea that women all over the country get told exactly the same advice, especially women who are like me, who are go-getters, who are very direct, right? Who say exactly what they mean. Like, well, you need to adjust your message for your audience because not every man likes to be told what to do by a woman. So you really got to finesse it a little better. So it's the feedback that I was getting every year. So I became the best darn communicator there ever was because that's the only feedback I was getting. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I became really good at listening. I be like my superpower. I would tell my clients when I was working in corporate, my superpower is to be in a room and to know when people are not understanding each other, right? When there's going to be surprises down the line, because you guys are really not speaking the same language. That's what I became really, really good at doing. So in the projects that I would manage, I would tell developers what to do and I would deal with the clients, make sure that everybody understood what was happening and I was good at it. But then there was this itch from the beginning, from day one, I wanted to be able to quit my job to do whatever I wanted, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't know anybody else that was doing the same thing. I came from a family of corporate People. I had the corporate pedigree. My father was a chief information officer in a huge company. My mother was a really successful software project management manager. So I, I didn't have any other examples. And even to, to, to show you the example that I had was when I was in college, I saw that everybody else had jobs, right? I'm like, everybody's kind of building their resume while they're in school. And I would call my parents who were paying for my tuition. And I called them like, I think I need to get a job and they're like no you're not your job is to be a student and to do what you like we are taking care of you don't need a job so I didn't even have that like people telling me like yes you should go out and, and do your thing and be independent and like, no I had to figure all that stuff out by myself I'm like yeah I'm really not gonna get a job out of college if I don't build my resume so I ended up finding a job and actually doing all that stuff but this inception of Starting my own business is something that had been on my mind. I had no idea how to do it. I didn't have anybody else telling me how to do it. So when I was, I was just experimenting with how to have a better life quality. So I, I signed up for French classes. I you know, started to learn the piano. I, I picked up the violin. Um, I, I would go to the library. I loved going to libraries and just scrolling through microfilms, like take like a really iconic point in time, like, like the Great Depression and go through the New York Times in 1929 and see what the newspaper was saying. I love studying and doing stuff like that. And it just gave me life. So when I had my first baby, and this is when the story started to change, this is when chapter two started, is I... I was bored. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like my experience with my son is that, and with both my kids is that the first month was, you know, I, all I did was eat and sleep and feed the baby. And that's all I did the first month. Second month of maternity leave was more like, okay, now I can get out more. I can take the kid out for walks. I can accept visitors. But the third month of maternity leave was like, okay, I got that down. And now what? 
So that's when the juices started flowing and I started my first business making websites. Uh, I just went down to my local diner and I said, I noticed you don't have a website. I'm going to make yours for free. They said, yes, I made it. I posted it online and I started to get a stream of clients to tell like to the point that it's been eight years since that. And I just got yesterday. I got another referral to make a website. Like the referrals never stopped coming. So that's how the first business started. And then the rest is chapters three, four, five, six, and we're probably by chapter 20 at this point. But that was kind of the inception of it all is having that wanting to do it. And then finally finding the opportunity. Like I don't have to work for a month. I'm going to see what's up with this. Interesting. So I want to go back a little bit into into what you were saying first when you were telling me that you're looking for you're in corporate and you're just trying to figure out a way to do what you want early on mm -hmm. what was what you want did that like did that have a definition did it have a destination or was it just like i just want to do whatever i want i'm gonna tell you because i'm not afraid to tell you this because i was in my early 20s okay um immature mind i didn't really know what having a business was i had no idea that it looked like this i'm like oh i want fame and fortune i want to be rich and i want to be famous right so um i mean i i did um i did singing i did theater i did i, I took i did a couple of um, stand-up comedy acts, right like i got up on stage a couple times to do stand-up comedy just to see what's up with that so Rich and famous is kind of where it all started, right? Like, I know I'm not going to become rich and famous by being in my corporate job. So what will do that? At the same time, so like putting that aside, I remember it being 2003. I just graduated college. I'm in my job. And I'm here thinking of app ideas that I could make, right? At the time, I was managing my finances with a really intricate spreadsheet that I had created that, I ha that had macros and pivot tables. And it was like really, really elaborate and it worked exactly for what I needed. And I'm like, well, I have a computer science degree. I could make an app that could be my side thing, make an app and then put it out there online, right? So I didn't know exactly what it was. I wanted to be rich and famous. And then as my 20s went along and as I actually started to delve into entrepreneurship, I realized that, no, what, what I really want is to not have to come to work every day, not to have to deal with things that I don't want to deal with. And I don't want to have to wait for retirement to do whatever I want because that's something I was hearing from other people is, you know, I, I'm just, when I retire, that's when I'll have the life, right? You, haven't, you don't have any idea what's going to happen when you retire. You don't even know if you're actually retiring from this company. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And I kind of needed more control. And I, I could see my parents. I could see other people that I knew that were 30 years, 40 years years ahead of me. I'm like, I don't want to be any of you. I don't want any of your lives. I want something completely different. And I had no idea what that looked like. So that's kind of like the inception of it. I knew that I could take control, but I was too afraid to, because this is what I was taught all my life. This is how you make money is by rising up, you know, moving up the ladder in corporate. And at the same time, just having this itch of like fame and fortune, which is what everybody wants, especially, you know, when you're 10, 15, 18, all you want is fame and fortune. That kind of like stayed with me, right? In my 20s. And it's just kind of served as a motivator, but I had no idea what that would look like. Interesting. I hear you. I hear you saying this stuff. And, I, and it makes me think of a couple of things. One is 
the idea that, and I learned this at the capitalism conference last year, where I don't know if it was, it's Ryan Moran's conference, but some, somebody said that freedom isn't the ability to do whatever you want. It's doing what you want. Right. So like, I think there's this big fallacy. There's two fallacies. One is in the corporate life where it's like, well, in 30 years, I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. And there's this fallacy in entrepreneurship where it's like, no, man, I'm doing this so I can do whatever I want. And at some point I'm going to do whatever I want. But right now I've just got to do all this kind of stuff. Right. Like where, yeah. where, you know, where do you, where are you with your, so I loved hearing that because it was early on in my like rediscovery and reinvention of what I went through last year because it really set me on the path to design a company and design whatever I'm doing to be, no man, what I'm doing is being friends with people, making people's friends with each other. That's all I want to do. Right. So like, I got to figure out how I can make a company that that's what I'm doing. Right. So like, where are you in that process? Do you find that, you know, what, what did you, how did you build a company to be doing what you want to be doing? I love this question so much because you, you're speaking the truth that people think like, well, in order to make it there, I have to put up with all this crap first, right? When in reality, Pablo, what I'm doing right now, talking to you on this podcast, being on video, talking about these things is what I would be doing. If I still worked in corporate, this is what I wish I were spending my time doing, right? So I am not rich and famous. I'm not making a million dollars a year. But what I do every day is what I wish I were doing if I were still in corporate. You know what I mean? Like if, the, if there was a sliding doors, like version of me, one that is still in corporate and one that is doing this, the version in corporate would be looking at this version and saying, that's exactly what I want to do. So my, my motivation when I wake up every day is not the fame and fortune anymore. It's not the, the riches. It's not, you know, those are like, like beacons that you're like, oh, like it allows you to dream, but it's not what gets me to turn on, go live on Facebook and talk about whatever I want. What makes me do that is just one thing to do it you know what I mean so for as long as I can continue to create a business that allows me to just do that right to continue to think of ways to innovate my products my services to continue to meet people who need them right that's that's all I want I have no idea what this business is gonna look like next year or the year after or the year after I have never tied myself to like okay this is what I'm gonna do forever but what I'm doing right now is exactly what I want to be doing every day you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. It will change. I know that it will change. But right now, this is what I want to do. So what I tell people is you don't just start with something that you feel like it's going to make you the most money right now, right? Which I feel like is the, the big trap that everybody falls into is, okay, if I'm going to start a side business, I could do consulting, which, uh, you know, I use my corporate skills. I use everything that I already know. It builds on my resume. It's like, it's perfect for me, right? And it's going to make me money because I know that it's a proven market. It's going to make me money. But then what I really love to do is knitting, right? And yeah. the, But like, I feel like I couldn't make any money by knitting. So it's a really obvious choice. I'm just going to go with the consulting when really what you're doing is trading your full-time job, which is not satisfying you for another job where you wish you were knitting, right? So what I tell people is that your chances of success are much higher in anything that allows you to not quit, right? So if you're thinking you're starting a business and you already know that's not what you want to do, you're going to keep daydreaming back to this other thing. So why don't you just spend all of that time and effort into figuring out how to make the knitting thing work? And I love using knitting as an example because this is what a lot of people do is to stop at the obvious, right? Mm 
And people try to challenge me. They're like, well, you can't make money out of everything that you love. Like, what if somebody like loves knitting? People like throw those things at me all the time. I'm like, okay, brace yourself, fella, because I'm going to tell you exactly how. You don't just think about replacing your salary by making, you know, little things for your cat, little cat sweaters and posting them on Etsy. That's not how you replace your salary. You replace your salary by making yourself known as the sweater, the cat sweater lady from the internet who has the videos to show people how to do it, who tell people how to follow their passions, how to do what they do, right? Inspire people. You create the patterns for other people to create their own sweaters. You go to conferences and you speak on conferences about knitting and about the cat sweaters that you made up and you become the authority of the cat sweaters, the cat knitted sweaters. You don't just sell your stuff on Etsy one at a time. So did I go off on a tangent? Like I'm very passionate about this topic. I, I love it. 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 Right. So you're saying so many things that are striking right at my corner. I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking back at that moment. I'm thinking back at that moment at the capitalism conference when, so when I broke off from my, from my company at the end of 2018, I started from zero 2019, I was coming from a uh, Amazon software for sellers, right? So my, my first thought was like, well, I'm going to start an Amazon store and I'm going to build that up while I figure out how to become a speaker about networking. And then when I got back from the capitalism conference, I'm like, dude, I'm selling this Amazon store. I don't give a shit about, you know, repricing and arbitrage, you know, all this crap that I don't care about. I needed to figure out a way to find myself in more conferences that could mm -hmm. somehow get me on the stage of those conferences. And I was going to get there by making people friends with each other, right? Like getting yeah. people to connect, right? Like, so yeah. everything that you're saying is so obvious to me. And then the other stuff that you're saying is this huge kick that I'm on where, have you read the book play bigger about, no, I haven't. It's about category design and category Kings. And mm -hmm. it's essentially about being different, not better. And everything that you're saying to me is like exactly what this is about, right? And I, and I look back at my life and that's kind of what's been the key to my success too. But how you introduce yourself, what, how do you introduce yourself as like a corporate chain breaker? Like what, what is your, you're as a corporate exit strategy consultant. What was it? What was the word? I'm a salary replacement expert. Yeah, that's huge, man. Like I'm, you know, I call myself an audience cultivation strategist. You know why? Because nobody calls themselves that. So <laughs> I don't have any competition, right? It's like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah you can go with a digital marketer, you can go with like a, a content producer, but I'm an audience cultivation guy, right? Like I know right. how to bring it all together. Just like you're like, yeah, you can go with a coach or you can go with, you know, a consultant or whatever, but I'm a salary replacement expert. I love it, I love it, I love it, right? So yeah. this book is all about designing your own category and then being the king of the category. And then there's, you know, Apple is a famous category designer and category king, right? Like they've done that over and over again. And what ends up happening is, you know, you rule the category, you start, or you don't have to really start the category, but you kind of own it. And because you do so well, a bunch of people come to, come to compete. But then at the end of the day, because you're the king or queen of, of, of the category, you still end up with like 70, 75% of the market share because people know you through that. And it yeah. sounds like, that's exactly what you have done with yourself. And, you know, I, I'm kind of rambling down the, the, the category no, design it's, thing. It sounds like I should read that book to see, like, like, what did I just do? I just stumbled upon this. 100%, 100%, right? Because I'm reading this book and I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. And then like the last chapter is about category design in your own career as opposed to like category design as a company. And it yeah. describes you to a T, describes me to a T, right? Like it's, yeah. it's all just like finding your own niche and being that person, not being better, but being different.
And can I just tell you that you are perfect for your for your business because the way that we met, it was like like a chemical reaction. It was like putting like the right two elements in the right spot. Because uh, I'm there to like this. Like I want to meet people. We met at podcast movement conference. We were in the green room. We're in the in the little like VIP area. I go sit down. Like hi, my name is Ina. Like who are you? And he's like, whoa, like. I know this, this is happening. And we talked for like 45 minutes. I have no idea what sessions were going on on the stage at the time. I have no idea what workshop I'm missing, but I'm like, like, this is something. And, you know, it's been, what, six months since we last met. And like, we've touched base. We continue to do this and continue, like, this, like you are perfect at what it is that you're doing, which is it's awesome to see that you found something that is, fits you so perfectly. Like, thank you, thank you, Ina. Thank you. And listen, I, you know, like I really appreciate you having me on your, you know, your platform when you put it on, and 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 how we've connected, right? Like we've just kind of built this relationship, and I think it's, I think it's been awesome. But it came from seeing you. You know, I was sitting at this table. I told this, you know, to your audience, and we might as well tell it to my audience. Um, I, 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 I'm like sitting at this table with like four or five people, and everybody's kind of like in their own thing, and I'm sitting there like, all right, you know, I. I'm, I'm, I'm already in a, like a small conversation with someone. And then you sit down and you just kind of like methodically just sit and just go like, hi, Amina. And, and like every, you know, like the whole, the whole table just kind of like stops and looks at you and you're like, Oh, and then, you know, like you just control the crowd immediately. So I just observed you for like five, 10 minutes. And then when people started getting up, I'm like, all right, I got to talk to Ina, you know? And then we sat there and we talked for like an hour. It was amazing. Yeah. And, and that's good. Cause I lo like your imitation of me. Right on point. It's exactly what I sound like when I introduce myself. Good, good. I, I practice that. I practice that before this call. Yeah. So, Ina, you know, when, when you say, when you say, you say two things that to me are just like, I think could probably derail someone from being like, well, I can do it too then. And it's number one, you were in tech, right? Like you have a CSI degree, right? So that, so that, that, that to me is one of those things where people are like, well, yeah, of course she's in tech and she can write an app. Like that's like the obvious entrepreneur story. And then the other thing is like, I, I think the, I think the maternity leave piece of, of just like, there's many, many stories of, of women taking some time off, understand all of a sudden they're looking at life from a different lens and they realize that there's a new solution that nobody's, that nobody's talking about, right? Like mm -hmm. airborne or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, what do you say to people? What do you say to the people that are like, well, easy for you to say that you're in tech so you can design websites, duh, or, or you're a maternity lead. So you had a month to like think of something like, yeah. what do you tell people about that? Okay. Two things. I'm going to tackle those two pieces separately. And you have to bring me back around because I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Oh, I'm going to forget it. two pieces. Piece number one about having the time, right? About the maternity leave. And piece number two is about knowing the tech. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tackle the knowing the tech first. Yes, I have a computer science degree. Yes, tech is easy for me. So, but the problem is that there's a lot of things that I am not great at, right? And everybody has that one thing that they're really, really good at. They just totally underestimate, right? You guys have any idea how many blogs, how many websites, how many domains I own, how many websites I started before I actually landed on one that stuck. Because we all have that thing that when we come up with an idea, we jump into that thing because it's easy, because we love to do it, because it's, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. For some people, it may be planning, right? As soon as they come up with an idea, they sit down with a spreadsheet or they sit down with a PowerPoint and they just come up with a whole plan for it 
right? There's some people who are so inspired that that night they just spend all night just producing whatever it is that they're good at, right? Making little cat sweaters, right? They just made them all that night because they're like, tomorrow I'm selling these on Etsy right away. So we all have that one thing that kicks us into action, right? For me, it's making websites. I'm telling you, I must have made like 10 websites before I actually landed on a good idea because that was my first spark, my first, oh, this is what I must do, right? I, I, I have an idea, then I need a website, then I would go and make it, right? But that's not really where you start. Just like you don't really start by making 10 cat sweaters. You don't really start by, you know, creating a whole plan, right? But it's the first thing that we all want to do. It's that thing that is easy and that we want to do. So about knowing the tech, you guys, there's so many places out there where you can create a website really easily and really cheaply. So me having a computer science degree is completely unnecessary to anybody having a website. It just happened to be the one thing that I was really good at, that was low-hanging fruit and my go-to when I came up with an idea, right? I want everybody who's listening to think of what that thing is for them. And I feel like it's a great way to start because it gets you into gear, right? If I came here and told you, hey, you guys, none of those things is the right way to start. The right way to start is to do this, A, B, and C. But A, B, and C, they may not really be in your zone of genius. They may, they may even sound like really boring tasks. So you know what that's going to happen? It's going to prevent you from taking any action at all. That ABC that, I'm, that I could tell you right now is going to act as a huge wall between you and what you want to accomplish because now you've told yourself, well, that's the right way to do it. So I just need to find time to do it. And you're just going to procrastinate and never get around to it. So the right way to start is just to start wherever that is, whatever is fastest and quickest for you. For me, it was making a website and I made 10 of them before I actually landed on a business. What is it for you? Is it to actually make stuff? Is it to plan? Whatever it is, whatever is easy and like gives you life, start doing that and then take the next step to making this a business. So I encourage everybody to act out of motivation and, and, and love. Making a website, you don't need a computer science degree to do that, period. Okay, so I had to handle that. So for people saying, well, that's easy for you to say because you can make a website like that. Well, yeah, but it could be easy for you to say something else that is just not intuitive to me, right? Point one. Point one. Okay. Point two about having the maternity leave and having the time. Okay. I'm going to tell you something. That's what happened to happen for me. But guess what? There's a lot of women out there who have children who didn't start their businesses during maternity leave. So this is not something that is unique to moms who use the third month of maternity leave to start. That seems like a really weird thing to like point out like, well, but I don't have a month off, therefore I can't, right? So many people figure this out. You have two days a week where you're not working, you have nights, you have mornings. You guys, I used to wake up when I was working full time. I used to wake up at four in the morning. And if I could show you like my whole plan of the week of where my time was going, I was timing myself. I did this for like a whole month over two months. I timed where my time was going. I clocked where my time was going every 15 minutes. In 15, minute intervals every 15 minutes I would stop what I'm doing and write down what I did and I had a whole spreadsheet that told me where my time was going so this is an exercise that I did with one of my clients which is like you know she's clearly not advancing in the assignments that I'm giving her and I'm like well why don't we and she's giving herself a really hard time 
over this. Like, oh, I just didn't get around to it. I must suck, right? I must be awful. I, you know, this is just not for me because I'm just not. And I'm like, well, let's take a look at your time. With her family, with her job, with other things, she literally only had like three hours a week to work on this. Right. And if she wasn't aware of that, she would spend those three hours just doing something else because she didn't know that was the only time she had to work on our stuff. So one thing that I'm going to tell everybody is if the time is a concern, that's the first thing you do is time out. What is your what does your week look like and what are you doing with that time? Because if this is something that is really important to you, you're going to make the time. You will get up at four in the morning to do it. You'll go to work early so that you can leave early so that you can spend the rest of the evening doing your thing. When I was in corporate, I told my husband, hey, Thursday nights, you pick up the kids. I do whatever I need to do that evening. You're not going to see me until 10 o'clock at night. Thursday nights are my nights. I would do that also on Saturday mornings. I would say like, mornings, it's you guys. I'll be back at noon. And I would wake up early and I would go to the library. I would go to a Starbucks and I would work. So you find the time. You don't need a month off. So I hope that inspires some people out there to really do these exercises. Find the time and start with something that gives you life. Otherwise, you're just putting walls that are unnecessary in front of you. But anybody can do this. That's awesome advice. That's amazing advice. Yeah. Uh, so, well, so what's your... What's your business? Like you, you say you have a client, like, you know, what are, what are the different ways that you serve people? Yeah. Oh, I, and thank you for asking me that because I got people in my life who still don't understand what I do because they see me go out and put out videos and like, and they're like, yeah, but how do you make money off of that? No, yeah. I don't make money off of the videos. YouTube is not paying me for how many hits I get because it's really not that many. My community is not even that big. The way that I monetize my business is by, showing my clients how to start their side businesses and how to put it online. So right now, in fact, I am running a group program where my members, they go through classes, right? It's a 12-week intensive program. And every week there's a class, there's an assignment, and there's a bonus challenge, right? It's for people who are like all done with the assignment by Monday night, right? I'm like, I'm going to give you a bonus assignment. And then if you do it, you unlock a certain prize, right? Actually, today was super exciting. Today, one of my clients unlocked one of the challenges, which is for me to feature her to my audience, right? Like publicity opportunity. She unlocked it. She's like, got herself a client and she unlocked it. So there are little things like that. So I work with people in group programs. I work with people one-on-one, but their goal is I want to make my idea into a real business. And in three months, I guide them through ideal client identification, market research, like all the stuff that they need so that I can make their website. So by the end of the three months, they have a legit business out there online and I teach them all the online marketing techniques so they can go off and spend the rest of the year replacing their salary using those techniques. So that's really what I do. I don't make money off of the videos. I get leads based on the videos. I got one of my star clients last year. She came from YouTube. She found me there. She signed up for a freebie. I had never seen her name before. She was not a member of my Facebook group. And all of a sudden she's scheduling a meeting with me. I'm like, where did you come from? Right? So all that fun stuff that I do, which is super fun for me, is just lead generation. Like I spend most of my time on lead generation and I love it. And then there's my back, my background programs. Yeah. 
I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I have a similar business, right? Like I spend all my time on lead generation because at the end of the day, like you, I grew up wanting to be on stage and wanted to do drama and my mom didn't want me to do it because that was <laughs> for boys. But, you know, guess what, mom? Now I'm out here entertaining people and it works, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's, a great, it's a great top of the funnel, man. So, all right. Yes. So tell me about that. I want to talk about that. I want you, you keep talking about my videos and the fun stuff I do. Let, let, let's talk about that because to me, that is what I define as community creation for business development, right? Because you have yeah. this thriving Facebook group called uh, Trailblazing Out of Corporate Life. Yes. Right? Trailblazing yeah. Out of Corporate Life where you have a certain amount of people and you're just constantly like coaching and giving advice. You have a YouTube channel. Like tell me a little bit about all that stuff. Okay. So first of all, <laughs> if I could go live on Facebook or create a video every single day, I totally would. It's something that I love to do, but you don't need that kind of passion to do it. I've gotten my clients when they start working with me, they're very shy. They're like, I'm afraid of putting myself out on video. By the end, they understand the value so much that they just go and do it. I don't even ask them to do it. It's not part of my program to do a Facebook live and they go and do it on their own because now they realize and they get that confidence. So this is something everybody can do. It's not just for like the extra and this is not before I continue to talk about videos. There's another point I'm going to say is that you know, yes, I am an extrovert, it's no secret, right? I love talking to people, I love getting out there. But one thing that I would encourage my introverts who are listening to think about is that just because I'm an extrovert, and just because Pablo is an extrovert, I'm going to speak for you right now, just because, right we're, just because we're extroverts, that doesn't mean that we don't have insecurities, Pablo. Pablo, are you are you like the only person in the world who doesn't have insecurities? No, no. My uh, I just looked at I fig I took like ten minutes figuring out what shirt to wear because I didn't want my shoulders to look too narrow because I have these little girl shoulders. So yeah, so, I have plenty of insecurities. So Pablo is very self conscious about his shoulders, right? I was self conscious about my hair today, but even like deeper than that, right? I have, and it's something that I tell everybody. It doesn't look like it, but I have a huge fear of rejection. Like, oh my God, right? And I feel like that comes with putting myself out there so much that I've gotten my you know, fair number of hits, right? Like, oh, that didn't land. And now that person hates me. Like I have this huge fear of rejection. So I want my introverts to understand that being an outgoing person doesn't it doesn't mean that you're not an insecure person. So just like when you're an introvert, that is not tangled with being insecure. Just because you are an introvert, that doesn't mean that you have insecurities embedded in that other people don't. So I encourage my introverts to think of being introverted and having insecurities as two completely separate things. So if you're thinking of like that being on video is a really good way to talk to your audience, I want you to think of that in the insecurities category, right? Something to overcome that has nothing to do with your personality. Because as soon as you think of it as embedded in your personality, it's like game over. It's doomed. There's nothing I can do because that's the way I am. I want to encourage you to think of it separately. On that topic, I would also like to add that one of the quickest ways to bond with someone is to be vulnerable, right? So like if you're, if you're feeling insecure about video and you're putting a video out there, just be yourself, right? And be like, man, this is, this is really nerve wracking for me. And I'm trying this because I want to do X, Y, Z or whatever. Just be yourself. And, and man, there is nothing better that like that will, whoever feels that way, which most people do, will be like, oh man, they're doing this. This is cool. And, and, and I, and, and this person gets me right. People like to do business with people that 
understand them, not that people they understand, right? So like, if you were expressing something that someone is thinking by being like, yeah, I'm on this video and I know it's kind of douchey and I'm really insecure about it. Like people that feel that way are, are immediately going to connect with you. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Exactly. So being an introvert and being on video doesn't mean pretending to be outgoing and pretending to be an extrovert. You be yourself, but think of your insecurities as something to overcome little by little, whatever you need to do. So I wanted everybody to think about that because I don't want, as I start talking about how excited I am to be on video, I don't want to think, oh, but that's not for me because I'm introverted. I want you to think that everybody has this hang up and a lot of people you see on video now have had to really work on getting over those fears and put themselves out there. It's not something that really comes easy to everybody. But um, as for the videos, so there's a whole strategy that goes with it, right? For example, um, I really don't have the time to make videos every day. So what I do is I repurpose my content. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of how I do this. Um, I have a podcast, Trailblazing Out of Corporate Life, and I record it every Monday. I record it while going live on my Facebook group. So actually, if you're in my Facebook group, you get to see the podcast, me talking through the podcast before it actually goes live the next day. So right there, I've created a video, right, for the Facebook Live for the Facebook audience. I've created a podcast, which is going to just, the audio is going to go into the podcast. I also take the video from the actual broadcast. I edit it a little bit because I remove any time that I yawned or that I made a mistake or, you know, things like that. I cut it down a little bit. I add my logo to it and then I add it to YouTube. Okay. So that right there is Facebook Live, YouTube, the podcast. Those are the places where it's going. Plus, I take that YouTube link and I add it to my blog. So if you go to my website and you click on the podcast tab, what you're seeing is a blog where I have all those YouTube videos. So I actually don't write blog posts. I don't write articles there. If I were to write an article, I would probably write it on LinkedIn. I would write it on medium.com or Thrive Global. I would write it someplace else and then talk about it, like get people to watch those. But in my blog, it's all videos. So it's just my podcast out there. Um, so I don't have time to create that much content per week. So all of that is coming from a single day's day of work, right? But there are times that I'm procrastinating because I do love going on video. I love talking to my audience. And I want you guys to understand that I don't just turn on live for the whole world to see. I turn on live in my Facebook group, where it's people who ha are used to seeing me there, who are getting my emails, people who are more engaged with my content and who relate to my message. So I'm much more comfortable going and talking about anything, going there without makeup on, going out there and just, if it's at 10 o'clock at night, I just finished a client meeting. There's nobody waiting for me downstairs because my kids are asleep and my husband is doing work. I'll turn on the camera on my Facebook group and I call it in after dark. Right. So if you go to my, yeah, if you go to my Facebook group, there's an in after dark unit, right? Like under the units in the Facebook group, where it's just like my, you know, I went up there to like wrap up for the day to tell you what happened, to teach you something or inspire or tell a story or whatever it is. So it's something that I really love doing and I'm probably never going to stop doing. Suppose, because a lot of people ask me this too. Well, Ina, what if your business fails, right? Because everybody has that feeling about theirs when they start is, yeah, but what if it fails? I'm like, I don't understand how something that continues to grow every single day could fail. You know what I mean? Like what is what what defines failure that I don't fill my program 
one month that I don't get one-on-one clients another month. That just means that there's the next month to really go and do the same thing. But I haven't considered that to be lost time because I'm still doing what I love to do. And if I stopped my business dead on its tracks, I would probably still be doing in after darks. So I don't see a way that this could just fail. I do see a way for it to evolve and change and continue to grow over time. But failure has become a very elusive concept for me. I don't know what that looks like because I own this. I can do whatever I want with it. So what defines a failure in it? I've never understood that. I was having a really interesting conversation with a good friend of mine yesterday where he is at this company that got bought out by another company and the CEO has like changed over like four times in the last five years. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of saying, man, nobody wants that job. I'm like, why wouldn't you want that job? Like, right, right. Like, why wouldn't you? Okay. So let's say, so I'm like, all right, Justin, if you got offered CEO at, this company, you wouldn't take it. He's like, nah, I don't know. I'm like, listen, bro, even if you're out in a year, right? Even if you're out in a year as CEO, where you fall back down to is still somewhere above where you were before, right? Like you might fail. Like when you are, when you are reaching to make these like big shifts and big jumps up, even if you, and this personally just happened to me, right? I left a 15 year career to go be VP of business development at a, for a startup at software company, you know, even, even, even if it didn't work out after a year, right? Like after a year, the partnership wasn't right, whatever. But when I came back down, I'm still somebody that was a VP of business development, right? Mm -hmm. So like maybe my next job. So, so let's say that CEO job, your next job might not be CEO, but you were still going into somewhere else as VP of something that was a CEO at one point. Right. Right. So, so the idea of, the idea of failure to, you know, to me, the big failure, I mean, it sounds cliche when I'm about to come out of my mouth, right? But the big failure is not trying, right? But mm-hmm. like, if you take, if you take these home run swings and I've done it a lot of my life, right? Like you may, you know, jump up to grab this cliff's edge and you might slip a little bit, but you still land somewhere higher up than where, yeah. than where you jumped from. It feels in the short term like a failure, but if you look at it in a big trajectory, you're still moving upwards. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I I say that all the time that I, you know, how people sometimes describe entrepreneurship as being like this, like up and down, you know, roller coaster. I tell them like, you know what, the way that I define it is exactly the way you do it. But the way that I picture it is a staircase Mm -hmm. where you climbed up to the next step. It's, it would be very rare for you to slid down steps once you've gotten there if you're continuing to work on something that you like and continuing to evolve all you have is just a next challenge to see how you're going to get yourself back up there but sliding all the way down to zero it it would be extremely rare so all you do is think about it as a staircase and you you could stay stagnant for a while it's possible right but you just have to figure out how to figure out the next challenge so you can keep moving up. And what's wonderful about the staircase analogy is that when you look up, you see other people standing on the staircase, right? Like you can see the people ahead of you and you're like, you know what? I don't need to be at the end of the staircase where the billion dollars is, but I would love to be where that person is. And I tell everybody, well, suppose that you do and you make it to where that person is. When you look up, there's still going to be more people ahead of you. So if what's stopping you is that you are not at a certain level yet, I'm like, well, newsflash, there's 
always going to be someone ahead of you in the staircase, which should keep you motivated, not stopped and stagnant. So that's the analogy that I like to take with people. It's like, just, just think of it as a, there's always a next challenge, but you're always just moving up. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. You know? So, you know, how do you, how do you start a Facebook group, right? Like what was day one in your Facebook group? You know, because I feel, I feel like it's easy for people to be like, well, yeah, you have an audience. So, like, you go on there and you get this, like, positive reinforcement, right? But, like, before you had the audience, how did you, how did you get all those awesome people into your Facebook group? Okay. Um, I did this in a very, very organic way. Organic, what that means is that you don't pay for it. Okay? Which means that it is a very, very slow process. You got to be patient with yourself. Okay, so here's the kind of the, the two things I'm going to say. Number one, it is possible to start a Facebook group with five people in it and for you to feel discouraged because you don't have 500 or you don't have a thousand or you don't have 10,000, right? It's like, oh, I only have five people. I need more people in my group. I'm like, I'm like, well, actually think about all the things that you can do with a group of five that you can't do with a group of 10,000, right? The group of 10,000, you can't give people individual attention. You can't really like, like go back and be like, Hey, like, let's talk about what it is that you need. These people have found you for a reason. So it's almost like they had to do something that is really hard, which is joining a Facebook group, because that's not the first thing people do. People are happy to friend you on Facebook. They're happy to follow you on Instagram because that's low hanging fruit. Everybody else is doing it. I'm not doing anything weird, but joining a group, it's like admitting to yourself that you're a part of that community. And if it's a small group, it's even more intimidating. So the fact that those people made it there, they've gone through a very, very hard obstacle to actually make it there. So you got to meet them on the other side and talk to them. Okay. So that's what you do with a small group. You get to know all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Think of it as, Hey, think of it as you have started a group program and they happen to join. Now you need to ask them, why are you here? How can I help you? And you help them. You use that for market research. You try to think of offers. You try to think of low-hanging fruit that they would just grab out of your hands at the right price point. And you just start kind of slowly. The way that you get people in is by being outside of your Facebook group, is by being in your Facebook page, or is by reaching out to people on your personal profile or by going to Instagram, but like you got to give people a reason to come and join. Right. So a good reason is, Hey guys, just so you guys know, I am doing a training live completely free at eight o'clock at night tonight, where I'm going to teach you a, B, and C, but A, B, and C have to be something that people that you want to work with actually want to hear. It's got to be something that is irresistible. So how do you know what irresistible looks like? I'm going to give you an exercise. This is something that I, I do all the time. I want you to go to your email. Okay. And I, and I do it. Uh, I've signed up for so many freebies, right? Like I've followed so many people out there. I'm a freebie hoarder. So every time that I get an email from a mailing list, I funnel it into a label in Gmail called online marketing. So I open my online marketing folder where I'm getting all these emails from marketers. And this is the exercise. All you have to do, and you can just open up your email into all mail and just read. All you have to do is read subject lines. Just read, Okay. You're not supposed to do anything else. Read them one by one, not the emails, the subject lines. Read, read, read. The moment that you find yourself clicking into an email, 
because you know your task was only to read, but you ended up clicking, right? Stop yourself and ask, why did I just do that? What all I had to do was read. What made me click on this? It had to be something that you had to find out right now. It had to be like, wait, what was this about? What was that thing? That's what irresistible feels like. So you got to come up with something that if you put it in front of somebody that you want to work with, and like, okay, like basically like dangling from like, is this what you want? Right? Because I'm about to talk about this. It's got to feel irresistible. And guess what? You're not going to get that right the first time. My first webinar that I worked so hard on that took me a whole month to put together only had three people attend. One was my really, really good friend that was supporting me. She was a co-worker in my last job. Really good friend. She was not going to buy anything from me. My cousin who had been supporting me and following me and one of my cousin's friends who my cousin had told about. And I like, they're not going to buy anything. They're in a different country. They're like the, the time conversion, the, the price conversion is completely different. They're not going to buy anything. So in my first webinar, that I'm supposed to go out and sell something. I sold nothing. And not because they wouldn't buy. I didn't even pitch. I didn't even tell them what I wanted them to buy because I was so intimidated by this whole thing. And I'm like, I don't want to hear a lot of no's. So I'm not going to pitch. I'm just going to teach people something and say, okay, I hope you enjoyed it. Good night. That was my first webinar. So you're not going to get it right the first time. So you got to have, you have to be drawing some joy out of coming up with these offers and coming up with these reasons to join. So in terms of joining a Facebook group, tell people like, hey, by the way, here's a freebie. Get people in your mailing list because that's, I think, even more important than getting them in your Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Here's a freebie, something you really need to know. Here's a PDF guide. And in the thank you page or in the email, tell them, by the way, there's a Facebook group. Go out and join it. And that's how you start to get people like trickling little by little, talk to them until they start to become bigger and bigger and you can start changing your offers. But you got to be drawing joy out of what you're doing to get people there. Otherwise, first attempt, second attempt, they're going to fail and you're going to feel discouraged and you're just going to stop. So you got to be doing something that you actually like to put together. That's my best advice to everybody. That's, that's great advice. You know, the, the big thing that you, the big thing that hit me is the fact that like, who the do I think I am? Right, like I'm, like I'm, 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 I'm thinking about, like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, yeah, man, I could definitely. There's definitely five people in my life that reach out to me that have reached out to me, like, hey, man, help me. Like right now that you're talking, right, I'm thinking about my friend Lorena Santos that I'm gonna put into your Facebook group, and like I want to introduce her to you because I'm like trying to. People ask me about how to get out of corporate life all the time, right? Like yeah. I'm yeah. just gonna send them your way, right? But yeah. like all those people, you know, the there is definitely a handful of people that have shown a propensity to really follow my content online, and if I start a yeah. Facebook group with just those ten people, then I can truly be serving them instead of just like, yeah, man, I can't talk for like three weeks, bro. Cause I'm super busy, but I definitely want to help you. Cause I really do. Right. Like yeah. I really want to hear you. I really want to help you out. Let's make some content together, whatever. Like I want to show you what this whole thing's about, but I can just crowdsource that thing, man. And it's crazy because this is what I do for people. Like yeah. I, I build Facebook groups for people. I just can't figure out how to do it for myself because yeah, quite frankly, I'm unorganized, right? Like I don't have a CRM and I have a bajillion business cards that I haven't put into my thing, but I yeah. know that I have a captive audience of people that will listen to me. So I just got to go out and do it. Like I got to go out and just like get five people in there and then, yeah. and then just start. That's a really, really good idea. Well, let me ask, how do you create your content? You have this podcast now. So mm -hmm. what other content do you normally put out there that you like enjoy doing? 
you know, what I like is consistency. You know, I have so much content because I love making content. Like, so all right, big tip that I have for you and for everybody right now is that every time I go out to network, mm-hmm. I try to grab the, like when I get into like a really good conversation, I'm like, Hey man, I do this trick where I'm going to, let's just have this conversation. I'm going to record it. Let me interview you a little bit about this conversation that we just had. And then I'm going to put a LinkedIn post about you tagging you about what you just taught me. And it's like a three to five minute video. And I tag that person on LinkedIn and guess what? Everybody in their audience is just like, Oh, my friend's getting interviewed. I'm going to check this out. And then they're like, Oh, who's this Pablo guy? And then all of a sudden I get followers. Right. So like, yeah, it's, so I have a ton of that. I have a ton of zoom calls recorded mm-hmm. of people asking me advice, right? Like yeah. you saw how I followed up with your podcast movement. I, I record right. all my calls, man. And there's a yeah. ton of gold in there and I'm, and I'm starting to build my VA team underneath me to edit and sort through all that stuff. But I'm very unorganized with it, man. Like I like sometimes, you know, I put out like six podcasts the week of Christmas and then I put out my rap podcast. And then since then I have like four in the queue that I haven't published yet. Right. So like I I, I need to build that consistency into what I'm doing to put it out. And I, I, and you know, I want to build this Facebook group because I, because I literally just want to help people, right? Like I, I, I yeah. want to just like congregate them somewhere. I just haven't been, I keep telling myself the story that because I don't have a CRM and I don't have an email blast to just press send that can then get me 20 people into it that I can't just tell the five people that I've talked to in the last two weeks about, yeah, bro, we got to get together, you know, because I do want to tell you what I'm doing and I do want to tell you how this all works. Yeah. Just, I should just be like, dude, join my Facebook group. I'm going to do like a group call on this day. That's perfect. Yeah. So, so many things going through my head is, right? Like, first of all, figure out, and I'm sure you already, you already know this, but like for everybody listening, figure out where your, which is your social media uh, app of choice, right? I live on Facebook, but I'm going to tell you something that I'm really, really bad at is LinkedIn, Mm-hmm. And guess where all of the people who are working full time who yeah. want to get out of their job are? They're on LinkedIn. Yeah. And this speaks to my insecurities, right? Of me like not wanting to feel rejection, of not mm-hmm. being seen as something. So I live on Facebook. Eventually, I will get over it and I will be more on LinkedIn, which is like where I really need to be. So we all have kind of like our, 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 our downfalls of things that we don't do exactly right. Yeah. So if Facebook is your thing, well, I would say like, well, it looks like you're doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, like your, your communities on LinkedIn. Can you create a LinkedIn group? And basically every time that you post those videos, it, it, all it would take is just a little bit of discipline that every time that you post a video with an interview of somebody that you just met in the comments immediately after you do that, you say, by the way, more of this in my LinkedIn group. Yeah. And like, and that's, and that's it. As for like getting things like organized and published, you know, that's when you get yourself, you know, $20 an hour VA, get somebody to actually do that for you, all that stuff. Not everybody, especially people that I work with, not everybody has the money to invest in having help do it. So I'm going to give you another tip. Uh, because I do have a VA. Actually, my sister is currently on maternity leave and she has been doing all my VA stuff and it's great because she's actually awesome at it, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, she's going back to work at the end of February. I don't know what I'm going to do without her. But like, she's the one that I tell her like to do all my little things. She's the one that posts all my stuff on YouTube, right? Like I, I, I don't have time to do this. So I'm going to give you another tip of things, that something that may help you like to stay organized. Um, And that's something that I'm trying this year, which is 
I, I discovered a really big problem with my brain. And that is that I need to do things in order. Right. For example, right now I'm working on a video that I got commissioned on from a big company to actually finish and do. I have to finish it by January. Sure. And in my mind, this is my top priority. So I want to spend every day and every moment that I have working on that video. But guess what? When I do that, I'm not helping my the people in my program that are depending on me. I am not doing my podcast. I'm, so in my brain, it's like, this is the priority. I must finish everything, which means that after I have spent half a week just focused on one thing, I'm turning around and now everything else is on fire, yeah. right? My podcast is on fire. My, my group is on fire. People are complaining. So I, to figure that out, to like be a little bit more organized, this is what I decided to do. This is where the tip comes in. Every day is, is allotted to one activity, okay? So Mondays, it's podcast day. That's it. I give myself permission to say the video I have allotted Tuesday and Friday to work on this week, which means that Wednesday, I'm not doing that video at all. I need to work on my presentation for my group. And that's all I do that day. And then on Thursday is my meetings day, right? It's Thursday right now. I get to meet with you. I have client meetings. I got other things. I'm teaching something tonight. So I organize my week in that way. You don't have to do it in exactly the same way. I actually have things Saturday and Sunday to focus on. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I don't stop working, but I need to give myself permission that today, this morning or these two hours are for this and I need to let go of everything else. And that only works if it's a habit. Right. That only works if Mondays are literally the only days I can do the podcast. Otherwise, I'll just tell myself, I'll just do it later. And then that's just not going to work. It has to be like do or die. If I don't do the podcast today, it's not getting done this week. And that's non-negotiable. It's got to be done today. So I don't know what that looks like for you, for people who are listening, but that, that I feel like that's helping me this year to actually get more done with my time. I love it. I love it. I've heard, listen, I've heard that one day a week per thing formula before. I'd never heard it make so much sense as when you just said it. And oh, I, know I, I know that we're kind of running out of time. I, I want to wrap up with like my final questions. I'm actually <laughs> experimenting now with a new final question. You okay. You're the first Hit one. It. You know, if you, if your wildest dreams come true in the next five to 10 years, what does that look like? Like, what, is it, what does it look like for your business? Like, what does it look like? You know, what does your life look like if you are just freaking crushing it in five, 10 years? Can I first say that's an awesome final question? And I think you should ask everybody. It's the penultimate question, right? Because I'm going to break that down in a second. Okay. Where, where's where the value comes in? Because I'm just about to cry just thinking about it. So like, just asking me the question is making me cry. Okay. 10 years from now, I am launching like business-wise, like what my business looks like. I am launching one program that reaches thousands of people per year. I'm spending the rest of the year like working with people one-on-one -on -one or doing big commissions for big clients um, or speaking on stages, right? Like that's what the year looks like in my business. And I am able to take my family out on vacations. Right now, that seems impossible. It's like low-hanging fruit for everybody else. Like taking my family on vacation is like such an unsurmountable thing. My husband works all the time. The kids are in school. It's like, it's something you really have to plan carefully. I'm running programs all year long. I want to be able to take them on vacations and to take my kids on educational field trips. Something that I'm, I'm is very 
near and dear to my heart is because I grew up in the Venezuelan school system back in the day. Right now, it's not the same, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, But back in the day, you know, by the time that I got out of high school, when I was 17, I knew chemistry, I knew physics, I knew like advanced math. And I came to the U.S., I went, came to college, and there were people taking Math 101. Yeah. And that, that's something that always hit me, like, why, why the disparity in education, right? Like, we were not really working any harder. I mean, Venezuelans are like party animals. They, they like to socialize. They're, like, they're not like stuck to a book, but I, I knew so much more than my own peers who were my own age. And so when I see my kids going through the school system, I have a need to complement that education to make sure that they don't fall through the cracks, that they're getting exactly what they need. And I have this dream of whenever they're learning about Lincoln, go and take them to see where Lincoln was born or take them to Washington, D.C., for them to experience the history, for them to see that what they're learning is useful in real life and how, right? I don't have a thing about my kids need to go to college and they need to go to a certain college. And I I don't have that hang up. If they decide not to go to college because they want to be entrepreneurs, you know who's going to be the biggest supporter? It's going to be me, right? But I want them to understand what they're learning. I don't want them to just fall through the cracks. So 10 years from now, Mm -hmm. my business is on rails. I'm doing exactly what I love. And I'm really helping my kids be better people. That's what I want. So here's the final question. What could happen in the next year for all that to come true by the end of this year? Like what, what singular thing could happen that would unlock for you the ability to have a course that gets bought by thousands of people that gives you the flexibility to take your kids on these field trips whenever you want. And this is how I kind of want to end it. Cause I would love to deconstruct that. with you. So I am very much a kind of person who takes control. Mm -hmm. I'm very much a kind of person who can't answer that question saying, well, this needs to happen and I hope it does, Mm -hmm. right? The only way that I can answer that question is these are the things that I can do to make that happen. Mm -hmm. It's the only way to make my dreams come true is for me to take control. So this year, Mm -hmm. I am working on this right now for my launches for my courses to be on rails and for me to sell it to thousands of people, I need to scale them. So my current program, I am spending six in the morning. I am spending the evenings to create the course plan. It's not just a live teaching is I create the courses, the course material so that every time that I offer this is a little bit more hands-off, more hands-off, more scalable so Mm -hmm. that I can have thousands of people in it. So the thing that needs to happen this year is to complete that task, continue to run my program and continue to tweak it so that I can scale it, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm working towards it now. And as for the vacations, um, you know, one thing that I haven't been doing that I really, really want to, something that's going to happen this year is identify a charity that I really want to be a member of, that I want to contribute to, because something that I heard uh, someone say, I don't remember who, is that if you don't give to charity when you're making $10 a day, you're not going to give to charity when you make a million dollars a day. Like it's, it's just not, not a thing. So I want to break that cycle and I want to start really contributing to my own society. So I'm going to be doing that. And the reason this is tied to it is because it's because of allocating your income to certain things, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, my income is allocated in 
taxes and then reinvesting. Yeah. I'm going to break that up so that I can say like vacation fund. I can say charity fund. I can say tax fund and then reinvesting fund. So that's something I'm doing this year. So those are the actions I'm taking. So 10 years from now, I took all the right, took all the right measures to get there. So I want you to do it one year from now. And I think that the advice I would give you would then be for you to, for your programs to reach the people that it needs to reach, if it were to get picked up by Tony Robbins, or if it were to get picked up by Oprah or something like that, you know, that to me is something we're just like, okay, then end of 2020, you have so much top of funnel that you have that you can take a loan from a bank to then completely scale out your program to then have that on cruise control. Right. So, uh-huh. so, so for me, I think that if you want to make that happen in one year, it's go to conferences or go, you know, put yourself in scenarios where you can meet somebody with a large enough platform that then wants to leverage their platform to help your platform. I love that idea. Right. Cause somebody I asked me that. that question and I'm just like, dude, I want to be, I want to be making 50,000 a speech. And I want to give 12 speeches a year and that be my income and whatever. And I'm like, they're like, well, what could happen for, for, for you to do that by the end of next year? And I'm like, I guess I got to land a Ted talk and I got to publish a book. Right. So like now this year I'm focused on that. Right. Like that's, that, that's, that's my big goal. And then the other thing I can tell you about, yeah, you know, you've been, you've been an entrepreneur longer than I have at this point in, in like in, in consistency, you probably have your taxes better figured out, but man, it, you know, I'm, I'm heavily exploring the amount of stuff that I can put under my business, right? Like if mm-hmm. if, you're, if, you're, if your group is about trailblazing at a corporate life and you also start talking about, you know, bringing your kids along to, to teach them about trailblazing at a corporate life, then these vacations and educational things you want to take are all pre-tax dollars. And mm-hmm. that is reinvesting into your own business, right? Like, right. I, don't know if, I don't know if you've considered that piece already. I hadn't thought about it in those specific terms, but yes, there's a lot of things that I'm leaving on the table. I travel for my work all the time. I mean, like by car and I'm not doing, I'm not giving myself back for the wear and tear of the car, for the gas mileage. For like, I'm not doing any of the stuff which you should be doing and, and, and writing it off in the business. Yes, I should be doing more of that for sure. Yeah. Like, listen, just your, whatever, whatever corporate card you use, just buy the, just buy the trip for your kids to Washington DC on that card and be like, and then while you're there, you're making content and ergo, it is a business expense. Yeah. Love it. No, I should be different. Everybody should be doing more of that. And by the way, just like piggyback off of that and really hammer that point home. In the first six years of my business, which was a side business, I was making websites, I was making a little bit of money and I just kept it in a bank account. There were really no expenses because I wasn't reinvesting in myself, right? I wasn't investing in coaches or anything like that. Um, and all of the costs of the websites were passed on to clients. So I wasn't really spending my money. It was just staying in the bank and we would pay through the nose for taxes just for having basically net gains right? This past year, 2018, when I actually started reinvesting that money, that first year, the government gave us a check for $6,000. So that right there, I mean, we were like paying through the nose. One year, we got a huge refund. It's like, what happened? Oh, I started actually using the business money. So don't keep your money in the bank. Continue to reinvest and expense it as a business expense. 
legally for everything that it's supposed to be. And yes, it pays off. It really does. And, and, and the quadruple bonuses, if you build a business around doing stuff you love, then you're really just like getting tax-free entertainment for yourself. And like, you know, exactly, like, exactly. Right? It's a tax-free life. Yeah, it's awesome. Ina, how can people find you? Go to inacoveny.com. And there you will find my podcast, which is Trailblazing Out of Corporate Life. It's a big button to subscribe to it. You can download my freebie. Is, is it okay if I plug it right here? Please, plug it away. Plug away. So I, I created a guide because I noticed that there were a lot of clients that I was telling them the same lessons. That I'm like, I need you to believe this in order to replace your salary in one year. So I put all that good stuff into a guide. It's called the Salary Replacement One Year Roadmap. And it's right on the front of my website. By the way, Ina Coveney, you have to spell Coveney right. It ends in EY. A lot of people forget that it ends in EY. So inacoveney.com. If you go to inacoveney.com slash one year. O-N-E, year. That will get you straight to the freebie. Go and download it, read it, and take it seriously. I even have a slide in there in that freebie that tells you, listen, is this really going to work for you? Well, if you take action on it, yes. But so many people will download it and not even open it, will open it and not even read it, will read it and not take action on it. Only the 1% that are going to take action, those are the people that are going to be submitting the resignation in a year. So take it super seriously. So yeah, just have to spell my name right, which I'm sure you can see in the description of this. I will, link, I will link all this stuff in the show notes. Ina, I want to thank you for being on. I want to acknowledge you for the incredible energy you always bring to the table, literally from specifically the table you sat at at podcast movement where <laughs> I met you from the moment we sat down, I was just like, man, this chick just has the best energy. You just come across so friendly and you really are that. And, and I really, really want to thank you for putting me in front of your audience. I hope yeah. I can bring some value to your, continue to bring value to your life. I'm so happy we're friends and that's it. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. You know that I love you. I love everything you do. We're going to continue collaborating. 2020 is going to rock. And you know, if there's anything I can do for you, you know that I'm here for you. Done. China. Well, if you got this far, I can guarantee you two things. One, you just had a good time hanging out with me and Ina. And two, you now know exactly what you need to replace your salary in one year. And if you're not sure about it still, just go to inacoveney.com slash one year to get her salary replacement one year roadmap. I have it linked in the show notes, so go check it out. And do me a favor, share this episode with a friend who hates their job and wants to figure out a way out of corporate America. And second, just go check out the Stiltsville, man. You know the song is awesome. You're about to hear the rest of it. Go check them out on Spotify. Man, they got a bunch of great music. Take it away, fellas.
reach for the crown She danced like an angel, queen of one lake Nimble as a thimble from any small state Now that she's made it, she knows she'll be fine She said I gave her my all and put it on the line Night after night she dances for them It's like deja vu all over Can you hear me okay? Can, can you hear me okay? <laughs> do, the, do the microphone. Does, ah. Ah, ah. Hello, 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 h